0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Good Tuesday morning. Two words that have rung true in the advertising world but may ring true for Sean McVay and company. Los Angeles was Ram tough, and as we welcome you inside Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on this Tuesday morning, Key, it could be a tremendous 24 hours for your city again. The Rams win, and now we have the Dodgers on deck, trying to win the World Series tonight. Everything
0: L.A. all day
2: for Key this year. No, it's good. It's that, a good that's a great thing. Yeah, every, exactly. every, every now and then, a city or two gets a little nugget, right? Boston gets theirs. Well, they've been getting theirs for a while. Yeah. You know, New York hasn't. Eh, outside of the Yankees. Well, no, the no. Yankees and Giants for many years gave y'all a lot of, you know, love. And what else? Who else would be a city? I know I, Boston, I, New York, L.A. Not
0: in basketball and football, though. I mean, not basketball and baseball, though, Yeah, right? but – yeah. So, I mean, that, that, this is a huge year for you guys. I mean, Dodgers win the World Series. Lakers win the NBA championship. I don't think I've ever seen a city with basketball and baseball, right? That, that would mean the Yankees would have, have to do it when the Knicks do it. I wonder – Chicago? Chicago. Maybe? Sox yeah. or
2: something like that? Mm-hmm. We, I, need, I, we need
0: some fans out there to help us with this one. But I don't think people – I don't think cities have done it in baseball and basketball.
2: I'm saying, mate, no, Red Sox and the Celtics. But how oh, you longer? mean winning in the same year? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about winning in the same year. I'm just talking about over a period of time, time. over several years, you know, this has been a, a big drought for Los Angeles just in general when you start talking about the Dodgers and the Lakers. The Lakers went ten years, the Dodgers since nineteen eighty eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were in diapers then, right, Z? <laughs> I mean it's it's one of those one of those deals. But I think, you know, tonight, obviously is the closeout game, but it's it makes me a little scary because this is a bullpen game for us opposed to having one of the big aces on the mound. You know, if we had one of the... Somehow, if we could have had Walker Bueller in this one, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, woo! But then, we don't have that. We have a bullpen game. We're going to go get him in the inning in two-thirds. Gosling's got to come sit with me about the second <laughs> inning. For real, though, I, I don't be messing around know, with that, because these are the
0: games... Yeah, Zubin, I look forward to the text chain. I know you're not. Can we get you back on the text chain?
1: I think can my you, life is better off without the text chain. I on. love you, fellas. You my have life. to see the roller coaster of
0: emotion <laughs> on a night like tonight with Key, especially when it starts getting into like the bottom of the sixth,
2: the seventh. Watching it, it's it's pretty entertaining. bottom of the six or the seventh. I'm a, I'm probably at the bottom of the bottle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should mention we'll have much more on the World Series coming up in just a little bit. We'll hear from Dave Roberts at 6:45. Walker Buehler would start Game Seven if the Dodgers do have it tomorrow. Tony Gonsolin going tonight. So the Rams look good on the other side. Don't the believe Bears,
2: the
0: hype.
1: <laughs> the Bears not so much. Jay's phrase there might sum up Chicago really really well. Let's get to the meat of the issue: a potential miscommunication between. Nick Foles, and his head coach, um, Matt Nagy. This was brought up by Brian Greasy last night on the broadcast. Listen to Greasy here when he talks about the challenges of Foles and Nagy trying to get on the same page play calling wise.
3: We were talking to Nick Foles yesterday and he said you know sometimes play calls come in and I know that I don't have time to execute that play call and you know I'm the one out here getting hit sometimes the, the guy calling the plays Matt Nagy he doesn't know how much time there is back here and so that's something that they have to get worked out. As
1: you might expect, that raised some tremendous eyebrows. Nagy was asked about it after the game, sort of tamped it down, said you got to talk to Nick about it. I don't really think that's the case with me and Foles. We have a great relationship. Foles, if he had a miscommunication with Matt Nagy, Foles also said, I must have had a miscommunication with Brian Greasy. Listen to this.
0: That was definitely a miscommunication with Brian and I. Um, You know, we do these pregame conversations the day before the game just to give them information. Um, that conversation, uh, coach Nagy and I have a great, great conversation on the the sidelines. So there might be times where we, we go through it beforehand and say, Hey, what do you think? And there's times where you got to get the ball out quick and whatnot. But, um, in those situations, like Matt and I have a great relationship on the sideline with conversations and everything. I think, you know, in that situation with Brian, it was just a miscommunication of words because that's not what, um, I was trying to, uh, bring across in that conversation.
2: Key. I you know the, the the interesting thing for me is I hate to go against a colleague in Brian Greasy but Nick Foles is 100% correct. And and I don't need to hear Brian Greasy in, in or Nick Foles for that matter try to explain to us exactly what the conversation was. I the words were probably to a degree, "Hey, I wish I had a little bit more time or or in in Brian probably, you know, put it in his own words." And and that's and that's what they do. When, you can go around the league, and you can go to every single team, both in the run game as well as in the pass game, and there are plays that are on that call sheet that coaches are kind of fascinated with, fixated with. They just kind of want to you know, call it and, and feel good about it, even though it may not necessarily be the best play at that particular time or throughout the game. They continue to keep doing it because one thing is right, they're not in the cockpit, so they're not sitting back there dropping back to be able to tell what the rush looks like. They got to get a feel from the sidelines, or they may not understand right then and there that the protection is has broken down and there's no answer for Aaron Donald, even though they may think that there is. When you're calling a game in the flow of the game as an offensive coordinator, and we could also have a conversation with Todd Haley, former head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, office coordinator at Cleveland Browns, who's going to be joining us later, about this is that – there's plays in your call sheet that you just stick with, even though the guy may be getting, you know, beat down. They just will call them because eventually it comes around as a positive in a run game as well, where we all sit at home and we say to ourselves, Jay, why is he calling that play? Hmm. I don't, know, it's two yards. <laughs> They're not getting anywhere. It's like, eventually it's going to pop. And sometimes that happens like that. So, you know, you, you got to think that Matt Nagy, along with, with Nick Foles, kind of know exactly what it is that they want to do from an offensive standpoint and feel good about it. Well, they kept Chicago to 49
0: yards on the ground. So, and he got sacked. Nick Foles got sacked four times. Let, let's just. Well, you're going to get sacked four times with Aaron Donald in that front. Agreed. So let's just call this what it is, Key. The Bears are who I thought they were, right? Like, did this look like a team that can outrace the Green Bay Packers to the NFC North title? No. Does this truly look like an operation with enough offensive potency to hold on to a wild card into January? I don't know. No. I don't know. Look, their O-line is decimated. Lewis Reddick said it during the the Monday Night uh, Football broadcast. He said, look, you can't make players bigger, faster, and stronger. And when the defense can't get you points, you're going to be in trouble. And I said it before, this three-game skit they have coming up at Rams, they play the Saints next, and then the Titans. We're going to find out everything we need to know about this team. Defensively, they are good,
2: but offensively, they are inept. Here's what I would say about Chicago. They played a Ram team that's a good Ram. The, The Rams are good. They're a good football team. But the Rams laid an egg up in San Francisco a week ago. So you wasn't sure what that was. They went two, three weeks ago and got beat in Buffalo. After playing the Giants and then going back to LA and coming all the way back there. The Chicago Bears, next what do we next month, I mean next week will be November, mm-hmm. week eight. The weather will start to change. They'll be at home. When the in Chicago, when you play outdoors, this formula for them, which is try to run the football, limit your mistakes, which Nick Foles had two interceptions last night, so that hurt him. And play defense in that weather is portable. So I'm not ready to say that they're not a legitimate team. So they have to win ugly. That's every but that's game, who they are. I, I, they I, never, I if hear. you go all the way back, if you go all the way back to 1985 and you go to Mike Dickens and the Chicago Bears, the style, not ugly, but just the style, defense, hard nose, run the ball with sweetness. And McMahon could throw a few checkdowns here and there. Or you fast forward to Rex Grossman and Lovey Smith. Rex Grossman, man. I'm with Stop. you. That was the defense that did that, and they ran the ball solid. Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking at.
1: So, how good are the Rams at 5 mm-hmm. and 2? Our Dr. Pepper call in line Twitter question this morning. 888 say ESPN or Key J and Z. Simple put, who's the best team in the NFC? Green Bay, Seattle? You want to go with the Rams? You still believe in the Bears? Arizona creeping up whatever you want you let us know best team in the NFC 888 sa ESPN or Key J and Z will mention some of your responses on the air still to come speaking of the Rams Key says he is scared of the Rams but not for the reason you might be thinking we'll have Key's thoughts on that
0: Chishon J. Will and Zubin the podcast
1: Just another reminder that the Rams are so much different from their Super Bowl team even two years ago. You don't have Aqib Tlaib, you don't have Marcus Peters, you don't have Todd Gurley, and they're winning in different ways, and it's not just the explosive offense, but using special teams and field position. We're back, Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. want to quickly mention the Twitter question today, easy as possible. We're asking you on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Who's the best team in the NFC? Seattle? Green Bay? Tampa Bay? Want to go off the board a little bit? Maybe the Rams? Who knows? Be a part of the Keyshawn J. Will Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to a ice cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Again, 888-SAY-ESPN if you want to hit us up old school. If you want to tweet us, Key, J, and Z, best team in the NFC. Key, I don't think the Rams would get a ton of votes, but if you voted for him, I wouldn't disagree. You said this morning, right before we went on the air, that the Rams, quote-unquote, scare you generally when I hear that I think about oh that's a team that might steamroll my team I'm a little worried about that but your definition of scared of the Rams is a little something different
2: Yeah, it's, it's one it set you up for failure heartbreak you know you 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 pull in form and then all of a sudden they let you down I mean like I thought that they were rolling and then they go to Buffalo and they basically lay an egg for three quarters and then you're like, oh, they're going to beat the San Francisco. Man, whatever, man. San Francisco's not that good. Then they have Jimmy G have the best game of his entire NFL career. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's a, it, it's one of those deals where you start to pull for them and, and they just set you up for failure. You know, it's like, man, I thought they were going to be better than what they are, and then they lose. Or they start really rolling and Jared Goff is really playing great right now. And then all of a sudden – there's a game or two there where Jared Goff kind of takes a step back. So that's really what I'm saying. So when you look at where do they sit in the NFC, like where where are they? Like, are they better than Green Bay? Eh. Are they better than Seattle? Eh. You know, or Tampa Bay. You start trying to fit them in where?
0: But, Key, I was going to ask you, so – if you were to rank the top defense in the NFC, it would have to be between the Rams and the Bucks, correct? The Bears, Bears are there.
2: I mean, Rams, Bucks, right? Rams, Bucks, Ra- Rams, Bears, Bucks, Bucks, right? Or however you want it. Rams, yeah. Bucks, uh, Chicago. Then, they, then that's kind they, of There's probably the three defenses that you would simply say, "Okay, I could I could do something with these defenses." Okay, so.
0: I like the Rams' defense against Seattle. I granted, I understand you went through the, the litany of teams that they didn't perform well against. But then I watched the game last night, and if that's a sign of things that they can do, the Bears haven't allowed any team to score twenty-three points or more. Right, they scored twenty-four. Jared Goff. I mean, they scored. The Rams scored three touchdowns. Right, each touchdown it felt like he had a uh, three TD drives for at least fifty yards. So it, it's they moved the ball. They ran the ball for one hundred and fifty plus yards. They they played. Well, so these are the glimpses of brilliance that you see from them offensively. Granted, against the Bears, but they, could, they can do that.
2: Well, the Bears' defense is good. But Sean McVay calling plays and designing things that get Jared Goff out on the perimeter, allow him to utilize whatever little athletic ability he may have in his back pocket, um, certainly helps. Having the receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Reynolds and running Henderson in the backfield, but the offensive line stood up. For the most part, I think Jared Goff might have been sacked one time. For the most part, they stood up against the Chicago Bears. Just because Chicago's defense didn't play lights out last night doesn't mean that they're not a good defense. And it doesn't mean that the Rams' offense is not good at all. It's just, for me, it's one of those deals where I'm still trying to process exactly, Z, what the Rams are. Like, what are they? Because – Sean McVay could call a great game, and it looks good because they're hitting on all cylinders, but they went up against an offense in Chicago that's not really superior and not going to really give you a whole lot. And when they're not running the ball, and they can't – well, it's of like a lot of teams that could block 99 in general, meaning Aaron Donald for the um, for the uh, the Rams. And when Aaron Donald is able to pinch you, push you, and close those gaps, you're in trouble. And they can't run the football, so therefore you can't negate him from rushing and getting upfield to put pressure on the quarterback. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they could do the same thing defensively that they did last night against Chicago, against a Green Bay offense, a New Orleans Saints offense. When they get Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas back into the lineup, what would that look like if they had to run up and play against them?
1: It'll be interesting because the Bears just lost to the Rams last night. You mentioned – Or even
2: even more interesting – What's gonna happen when they play against uh, my guys out in Arizona? Right, my, my, my team, my guys, guys my Arizona. guys in Arizona.
0: We've came such a long way in this relationship. Hey, it's, a,
2: it's okay, you know. I'm, I mean, it's okay. It's right. you Arizona's, give, them, you they're, give they're, them a little love and a little yeah, sugar. They're growing they're on it.
0: you. You know, they were
2: cute. Now they're pretty. No, 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 no. They're still. Cute. They're still. Oh, come on. They are still cute. That a, win the other a, day
0: wasn't a pretty win.
2: It was cool. They they didn't lead the entire game until they kicked the field goal one. one. So, all that matters is the final score.
1: So we'll have your real rankings at 7-15. We'll see where the Rams fit. We'll see where the Saints fit, even though they're not exactly at full capacity like you said. It's interesting you mentioned when the Saints do get to full capacity. If they are at full capacity on Sunday, it's the Chicago Bears that they will take on. And the Rams, by the mm. way, are going to have to go cross-country to play the Miami Dolphins. On a short week, game. and we should mention it's not maybe as Titanic Jay as uh, Max finally turning the tide here on Tom Brady and yeah. coming the other way, but Key and Kyler Murray have now bridged their differences just a little bit. I want to ask you this real quick on the Rams: Sean McVay first year makes the playoffs, great hit. Second year Super Bowl. Lost by seven points to the Pats. They only gave up 10 points in the Super Bowl. The to Tom Brady lost 10-3. And then last year, boom, the first backslide. See, that's what I think it is. Immediately, youngest coach in modern NFL history, make the playoffs, lose to the wild card. 30 Get years to the old, Super Bowl. Young Gruden. Right. Third year, hang on, nine and seven. First bit of adversity, and to me, maybe that's just why we're looking at five and two and saying an ordinary team at five and two. For example, Arizona is five and two, and we're bullish on Arizona. But I sometimes maybe look at it and say McVay had so much success; they had that first blip of adversity, and now we just want to see how they react to it the following year.
2: Yeah, you're saying that, but also those first two years, it was so much snack crackle pop with it, with everything, where you had a young head coach. You had Wade Phillips, a former defensive coordinator, Super Bowl guy. You had personalities in Tlaib and Peters. You had Aaron Donnelly. You had Ty Gurley. You just had so much. And then they completely, to, the, to a degree, stripped it down. And now you have guys like Jalen Ramsey. So it's like, eh, we don't know.
1: We'll see. And they had paid a ton of guys a ton of money. They have a lot of money wrapped up in a few guys they are playing for now. Still to come, the argument has been made. Is it valid? Are the Browns better off without OBJ and so possibly could Baker?
0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and
2: Subin, the podcast.
3: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C eBikes.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful Slash unsportsmanlike today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash unsportsmanlike.
1: Here's the real deal. Cleveland moving on without Odell Beckham Jr. They will welcome the Las Vegas Raiders to town on Sunday. The comments you just heard were from Jay, Will, and Key yesterday on our program before we knew the severity of Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury to Jay's point, Baker Mayfield 0 for five at the start, then twenty two for twenty-three, ho hum five touchdowns in that win. One thing you mentioned, Key, before we jump right into the conversation about the effect of not having OBJ, is that you watched the injury happened as a player, as a wide receiver, and you were kind of puzzled that it happened on that play, essentially the second play
2: of the game. Yeah, I was like, it didn't, it didn't look egregious. Usually when a dude gets an ACL, it's like, you, you know what I'm saying? He's twisted, turning. I was like, when did he hurt it? You know, it, 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 maybe when he jumped up, like, I couldn't tell. I was like, I just didn't, it didn't look, it didn't buckle. You know, usually you see it, it's out front. So I was like, Dang. When did he actually, you know, when did he actually hurt it? Did he actually hurt it at some other time? Then all of a sudden it completely tore?
1: We'll find out. Straight Talk. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Jay, what are your thoughts straight?
0: Well, first off, I, I feel horrible for OBJ. Absolutely. And we were talking about the timeline before we came on, Key. So if it takes you a year to come back from an ACL injury, now you're, typically a year. Typically a year. So now you're talking about October of 2021.
2: No, I go to I go into November. November. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I've had my ACL torn. It took me a year. Because so you by won't the time, have
2: the surgery till probably another week, right? Because of you, swelling and stuff like that. Maybe
0: or you, yeah, or if you can get the swelling down, you can probably get it done next couple of days. But my thing is, depending upon it, it, you know, coming off an injury, key, it takes you a while for your body to find that Absolutely. rhythm. So by the time you actually get to Peak performance after an ACL, maybe another seven, eight months. So you're talking about him maybe being fully in control of how great he feels
2: into the season, 2022? And everybody reacts from a mental standpoint differently when they have injuries, right? I mean, we don't know how he recovers in terms of his mental state. Now, OBJ's been banged up before. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's had hamstrings. I believe he had a quad of some sort with the Giants. so he's been out of the lineup before, but nothing to the to the to the standpoint of a twelve month rehab um it 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 certainly is going to be a part of a mental rehabilitation more so than his knee i mean the knee part of it i've one hundred percent believe in whichever doctor and whichever rehab center he's using to get him back right on the field it's all about the mental state though how how is he going to be from a mental standpoint when he's out there running or afraid to break or cut or do some things that he needs to do with his quicks that's one thing that he's got to have back is his lateral quickness and his ability to go up and high point the ball some of the things that you've seen in a rare in 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 a rare athlete i mean he's a phenomenal athlete um and on top of that you look at the timeline and you look at his age. When that clock turns thirty, they start looking at you differently. Mm-hmm. And I think he's twenty nine years old at this point. And so now you get to be thirty, and into your thirty and a half to that thirty one, they start looking at you real different. And I, we
0: didn't get a chance to see it this year because Clay Thompson didn't play. But Clay Thompson had torn his ACL. He could have came back and played this year. But I guarantee you. Clay Thompson could have came back and played towards the end of the year, but how he would have played at the end of the year, as opposed to how he's going to play next season will be drastically different because they have that much more confidence in his leg. But key, it transitions me to a point, this whole notion and narrative that is starting to build within the media right now that, oh, this is addition by subtraction for the Browns and that the Browns are a better team without OBJ because now, you know, Baker Mayfield doesn't have to be fixated on him as a primary target. I heard Dan Orlovsky the other day on NFL Live say, "Well, look, the QB, the QBR number uh, without OBJ on the field was 70, With him on the field was seventy-three point six. Without him on the field for Baker Mayfield, it's ninety-six point two. The completion rate with OBJ on the field fifty-three point eight. With other receivers, seventy-eight point six. So all these numbers are skewing to say that Baker's going to be better. But I would say this." First off, those numbers are skewed, man. They played against the Bengals. The Bengals give up 400 yards a game. All right, They allow you to score 27.7 points per game. It's going to look great against their secondary because their secondary's not good. I think we start to get into the meat of the season where the Browns need a big-time receiver to get them that target. I'm not saying Jarvis Landry can't do that, but silly, you're going to miss him because he also takes so much attention away from people he, on the field. He,
2: here's what I would say, Jay, to the numbers and to what people say. Yes, there is some truth to that, that by him not being on the field, the Browns are better. But let's clean that message up. Let's not make it – See, because what what happens is they leave it out there and they hang it out and people think that they're saying that the Browns are better because he's a distraction. So you got to remove that part of it. In terms of on the field, they probably will be a better passing team Because Baker Mayfield will be better. And what I mean by that is he's not looking at number 13 as his first read all the time. Even though Kevin Stefanski may have Odell sometimes as the third option. Because Baker Mayfield has such a relationship with him that he's the third option. Baker Mayfield's eyes goes to 13 instead of 80, who's the first option, on this particular pattern, particular route, particular formation that they call and that happens across the board on every single team in the National Football League and every single quarterback for that matter is that when something is called even Tom Brady when it's called you 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 you're so locked in on Gronkowski that you forget that the play really was called for Mike Evans mm. and so you drop back because you're so used to throwing to number 13 and in 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 Bakers Mine, he's looking at it and going, well, he's going to win for me. He's going to win for me. And it forces the throws to him. So when he's not on the field, I don't have to worry about OBJ because he's not there. So now I can get through my progressions of one, two, and three and get back to a, a, a check down if need be, opposed to holding on to the ball, waiting for OBJ to break free, and then all of a sudden I'm sacked or I'm flushed out of the pocket because I, I got off my mark. That all is true. But what happens with the media is they're setting it up as if OBJ's a problem. They, 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 they haven't done what I'm doing. They're not explaining it to you. Mm-hmm. They're just throwing a number out there and saying they're better off without him and not really telling you the full context of why there may be, not even the team, the quarterback may be better off without him. Does that make sense it to you? Sense. Because they're not, they're not telling you that. They just want to make it sound like OBJ's a problem, and that's not the case. The problem is o- OBJ has a relationship with Baker Mayfield because he's a great player, and all great receivers have relationships with quarterbacks, so quarterbacks stare you down. That's just what they do. Every quarterback I've ever had would stare me down, even if plays were not meant for me.
1: Interesting. Okay, so straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Key mentioned the numbers you need to know. Odell's going to turn 28 28.
2: next week. Okay. November 5th. So he'll be 29 when he comes back. So he'll be 30 when he's probably fully healthy, ready to go. And that's the number
0: Key said they started looking at you differently. The question is, do you think he comes back and he's still brown?
2: Yes. Yeah, he'll be a brown when he comes back, but will he stay a brown? I mean, well, that's the question, right? Just because
0: it feels like his chemistry with Baker Mayfield is not there.
1: We'll find out. We'll find out. He's going to have to work his chemistry with the guys he's got left. Again, they'll welcome John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders to town. A reminder, Odell is a three-time Pro Bowler and a two-time second-team All-Pro, and this player resume is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Learn more at Indeed.com slash credit. The Chicago Bears lost on Monday night football to the Los Angeles Rams, and, you know, it happens. I don't think a lot of people were too surprised by that. But what did surprise some people and raise some eyebrows were these comments by Brian Greasy on the broadcast last night, talking about what he was told by Nick Foles about his communication with Matt Nagy on certain play calling situations. Listen to this.
3: We were talking to Nick Foles yesterday and he said, you know, sometimes play calls come in and I know that I don't have time to execute that play call. And, you know, I'm the one out here getting hit. And sometimes the, the guy calling the plays, Matt Nagy, he doesn't know how much time there is back here. And so that's something that they have to get worked out.
1: Wow. Nagy essentially said there is no problem. Foles for his part said... Stop me if you've heard this before with an athlete. It was taken out of context, and it was a little bit of a miscommunication. For more on this, we welcome in Jeff Dickerson on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. He is our ESPN Bears reporter. He's brought to you by Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Jeff, from what your sources are telling you and all the people you talk inside of Hallis Hall with, what do you make of those comments that Greasy made saying there is a miscommunication at times between the head coach and the quarterback?
4: You know, you know Zubin, guys, of the 10,000 things that Matt Nagy thought he was going to be asked about, about the offense after the game on Monday night, uh, that was not on the list. He was certainly taken aback, and he really punted and deferred to Nick Foles, who, as you said, Zubin, said, well, that's not exactly what I said to Brian Greasy. He must have had a a misunderstanding. Now, look, I covered Brian Greasy in Chicago near the end of his career. He's a longtime quarterback. I'm pretty sure that he speaks the same language as Nick Foles. So my guess is it was not taken out of context. This happened really late. Of course, in that game Monday night, the Bears got right on that charter flight, which I know was a long one, uh, back to Chicago from Los Angeles. So they're just really getting back into town right now. Um, I've seen stuff like this happen with teams and and the Bears before, where something might be said in a production meeting, and it gets out on the air that they were not expecting. Uh, The fallout is usually not great. My expectation is that Matt Nagy when he addresses the media at noon central time here in Chicago today, we'll try to offer up some sort of clarification. But the bottom line is, guys, you don't have to be a genius to know that this offense is not working well. I mean, it is broken. It is bad on every level. The play calling, quarterback plays, but uneven, the offensive line. Um, they're not using people the right way. So it, it doesn't surprise anyone to hear that because clearly there are a lot of, you know, kind of disconnects on offense right now. And Matt Nagy, even though he's got a good head coaching record, He does a great job, in my opinion, you know, motivating that team. He's a player's guy. He was brought to Chicago because of offense, and the offense really hasn't been any good in two-plus years.
2: Let me ask you this, though, Jeff. In talking about the offense not being good, Hmm. real quick for me. Well, when was the last time that they had a good offense? They brought in Tressman. They've got all sorts of offensive minds. The Chicago Bears historically is a defense, special teams, don't make mistakes on offense win type football team.
4: Keyshawn, that's why the frustration in Chicago is so palpable, even though the Bears are five and two. It's because the offense hasn't been good in generations. I mean <laughs> generations. Of Bears fans have seen this. There was one year in the 1990s when Eric Kramer had a great year for the Bears at quarterback, Jeez. great, great <laughs> by the Bears standards, guys, with a passer rating of like 96. I mean that
0: that really is. Jeff, we're going 30 years ago. That's where that, you took me,
4: I, and I could go like the one year that Jay Cutler had an OK passer rating with Adam Gase, and the Bears still went like five and eleven. I mean this is this is the problem. It's that the Bears are five and two. They are right in the mix here. They might even make the playoffs. You Look at their schedule coming up. But no one has any faith that the offense is going to get any better. So how can you really be a championship contender with an offense like that? And the Bears all week going into that Rams game just wanted to focus on the fact that they were 5-1, and one, which is fine. But you can't do that now after that performance on Monday night because, again, it leads to so many more questions as to where this thing is going the rest of the year.
0: So, Jeff, if it's very visible that Matt Nagy and his team struggle with their offense, how differently should we look at Mitchell Trubisky? You know,
4: Jay, I, there go, there's going to be some, some clamoring to get Trubisky back in there, and I think, <laughs> that's the last, I think that's the last thing that Matt Nagy wants to do. I mean, he made that change with the eye towards it being permanent. Um, the, the reason you could justify that a little bit is because Nick Foles does not move very well. And if you guys watch that Bears offensive line, they don't block very well, and that's a bad combination. Now, Trubisky, for his faults, you know, he's a, obviously a very athletic kid. He's very mobile he might be able to make a little something back there happen. Um, but no, I think what is what has occurred is that there's been really no difference between Foles and Trubisky. So does that mean, Jay, that, that Trubisky is better, Or just the Bears are still abysmal when it comes to evaluating quarterback talent. You know, we talk about the lack of the offense for generations. I mean, the best quarterback in Bears history, guys, is Sid Luckman. He hasn't played since the 40s. Like, that's a major problem. And if Nick Foles doesn't turn out to be a long-term solution, and we know the Trubisky thing is basically over, the Bears aren't going to be drafting in the top five to take Trevor Lawrence. Like, where does this go? They're in this perpetual cycle of just bad offense, bad quarterback play, and they can't find a way to get out of it, and unfortunately. And as Kia
1: said, that's just certainly not their style. It shows you how quickly the NFL moves. It was basically two years ago that Matt Nagy was triumphantly driving to the airport and picking up Khalil Mack. Everything's going to change. We make the playoffs. We lose on the double-doing field goal. No big deal. Everything's fine. And less than two years later, nothing is They went later, to the Super Bowl fine. with
2: Rex Grossman, <laughs> man. Stop. <laughs> Kyle Orton. Come on. Think about on. it.
1: You're fair. Fair, Jim McMahon, of course, as well. That Super Bowl winning quarterback in Chicago. Really appreciate the insight this morning, Jeff. Thank you.
4: You bet, guys. Take care.
1: Much more NFL talk.
2: Greasy play for them.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. way at the end. Way at the end.
1: Much more NFL talk, including a little cowboy talk in one minute. But first, let's go from A to Z with the fellas. Ah, uh, the soundtrack is back. Yes, Gaze, audio soundtrack is back. A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Now available at Redbox, an edge of your seat action thriller that can't be missed. Rent Ava, starring Jessica Chastain. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways. To watch. We're going from Dallas to D.C. because the World Series is just outside of Dallas in Arlington. Keys Dodgers can clinch tonight. Coverage begins on ESPN radio at 730 Eastern with a little pregame banter. They're looking for their first world title since 1988. (laughs) Dave Roberts knows there is a margin of error because they could go to a game seven. Nope. But with the trio of arms they have in reserve, he's feeling pretty good, but knows they got to be aggressive tonight.
4: It's not do or die, but I think that just the mindset is we're going to do everything we can to win um, game six, knowing that
3: we have Walker starting game seven and, um, you know, and Julio as well as far as kind of pitching. So
4: I think outside of Walker and Julio and, and obviously Clayton, you know, everyone else is in play.
1: Key, you said Dodgers in five. It could be Dodgers in six. Why will it be Dodgers in six?
2: Well, I think it, 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 Skipper just said it right there. Outside of those three pitchers, we're going heavy bullpen with a heavy rotation. If we got to pitch a pitcher or inning, that's what we're going to do. And our bats are going to stay alive. And they know that this is the moment. You can't play around with game seven just because Walker Bueller will take the mound. You mu- Get it done tonight. Get home tomorrow. Get it done tonight. Dodgers
1: have been on the precipice, and nobody is going to be more relieved if they win than their embattled manager, Dave Roberts, who has gotten them so close, but not over the hump. The Cowboys nowhere close to being over the hump from Dallas to D.C., right? They lost to the Washington football team. Their defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan, is certainly feeling the heat. After all, the Cowboys have allowed a league-high 243 points, but he was feeling the heat in a different way when speaking to the media yesterday.
4: Uh, obviously, the frustration for him as well is just you know. Look, when he misses them nobody. Whoops, excuse me. I got something in my eye. Just had some Tabasco on my finger, and it went in my eye. That wasn't good. Oh, it's terrible. Jeez, I'm sorry.
3: All right, we're back. Jory, I guess. Uh... Forgive me. I'm sorry. But, and I don't
4: re- remember the question. If you give it to me again.
0: Yeah, the question was about to Marcus Lawrence, Jay. It's like a Rocky Balboa reference. Mickey, cut me. I can't see out there. And neither can Mike Nolan see on the defensive end either. He has Tabasco sauce in his eyes during the game as well.
1: Can you cook a lot? of I mean, this stuff happens,
2: you know, no, slicing it, an onion. and uh. It does, but it's a pandemic, man. It, all it takes is 30 seconds to wash your damn wash hands. Wash your hands. Wash your damn hands, Come on, man. Mike. You don't go from eating to the press cut. Wash your hands. <laughs>
1: I think it's 20 <laughs> seconds, which is happy birthday twice. Is it is what 20 I think or I 30 it. or whatever? Minute yeah, of just, 20. But if it's hot, make it a I little I usually 30. go
2: 30, I not <laughs> At least 30. Y'all.
1: The spicier, just ramp it up a little bit. On a more serious note, uh, Mike McCarthy again had to address the subject that basically took up all the oxygen on sports social media on Monday. The lack of reaction to Andy Dalton getting drilled by John Bostic and no Cowboys, nary a one going over to defend the Cowboys QB.
3: You know, as far as the uh, what went on uh, with it with Andy's hit, uh, I think obviously the you know the officiating took care of the you know what you know what happened and uh, so forth. But the response, you know, from the the offensive line, you know, I, I
2: think our guys uh, did exactly. You know, at the, the, the starting point was uh,
3: you know cover the football. They were they were all five of them were right there uh, when Andy went down. But I think this whole thing, you know, as far as the... Uh, how it's viewed is is a little bit of a microcosm
2: of just kind of where we are. So you got young players in new situations. So, um, but, you know, that's really all I got to say about that. Key, shaking your head. Young ain't got nothing to do with it, man. It's your teammate. Ain't got nothing to do with being young. You just watch the dude. You know, some of them dudes, Amari Cooper's not young. Amari Cooper's not young. Amari Cooper been in the league, what, seven years now? Six years? He's not young. I mean, like, come on, dude. Anything could – look, man, that hit just so happened to just be a concussion as of right now, concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean he's concussed. It just they want to check it out. Sure. But it looks vicious, very violent, and you stand around as if to say what? Like, oh, it doesn't matter. Would you have done that if it was Zeke? Would you have done that if it was Dak? Like, no.
0: Come on. This Cowboys team is leaderless. And they're redless. I mean, that, that's the that's the problem right now. And this just proves that Zach Dak deserves his money, because Dak is the heart and soul of this team. If that had happened to Dak, you would have seen the Cowboys fight that fight that team.
1: Fair enough. Or Romo, or Aikman, or anybody. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. On the way, McCarthy, one and done, not an overreaction.
0: Keyshaw, Jay, Will, and Zubin, the podcast.